0: what's going on you guys and welcome back to another episode of push the tempo podcast i'm your boy area and i'm with my guy kyle and today we're going to be talking about the christmas day games we had maybe five five or six games that you know they play every single year on christmas day and this was a great christmas day we had a bunch of close games for the most part um you know some of them did run away at the end but for the most part they were really good matchups and you know i wouldn't have had it wanted any other way so Let's let's get started with this. Which which matchup do you want to talk about first? Um,
1: I guess I guess let's start off with your with your Celtics. Um, you know they they beat the Bucks like pretty handily. Like the Bucks just you know they were without Middleton, but they just they just kind of struggled all game. The Celtics, particularly in my opinion, um, to defend the Celtics in transition, it felt like every time the Celtics got out on the break, they just fried Milwaukee. You know, Jason Tatum had a really good game, especially in the third quarter. I think like he really did the majority of his damage there. Jalen Brown started off really well, kind of, kind of went cold, and then in the fourth quarter, not not saying like like this, the, it was a close game, but like there was a chance the Bucks could come back. And he, I think he hit like two threes. He had like ten points in a row, and that kind of closed the door um, on the Bucks in that game. You know, Giannis was not himself. I think I think the Celtics defend Giannis as well as anybody in the NBA now. Um, and obviously, you know, Drew Holiday was, was solid. Uh, just not having militant, it gets really difficult for them to, you know, to to score because they don't have much shot creation. Like perimeter shot creation, I should say. But I want to I hear your opinion.
0: Yeah, from start to finish, the Celtics really played with um, what seemed like just an unlimited amount of offense. Like they were just hitting shots. They weren't missing. Like the, the clip and efficiency that they were shooting at was insane. Um, We didn't really get any bad looks from the Celtics for the most part a lot of these were either wide open looks or tough shots that just ended up going in which is, you know, which is just insane I don't know if this was a one off I want to see them play the books again, but they were so dominant in terms of you know making their shots in transition like you said and just in general like finding wide open players to hit open shots and you know it like at first I think the first quarter they had eight threes which was just insane you know they, they were they were just unleashing hell from three and at one point during the first quarter I even googled what was the most threes um in a quarter and it was 11 and I think they they ended up with eight but yeah it was just it just felt like they were insane yeah,
1: this so looked th- like the um this looks like the celtics that we saw to start the year that i'm not i don't have to double check but i'm not sure if, if they are the number one offense anymore in the nba uh let me let me double check real quick they are they are still the number one offense
0: hey, um, let's
1: go. but like you know this month they've kind of tapered off of it. they've been not great offensively this looks like this was the game the celtics look like like that level of offense 19 of 39 from 3 like hitting 19 threes if you hitting 19 threes it's very hard to beat a team when they hit 19 threes you know what i mean um yeah that's just you know the bucks they desperately need middleton but it's also like middleton hasn't really been that good this year like he's had moments but overall and i get it he's coming back from an injury but they 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 need him to be like like at his at his best to to have a chance in my opinion
0: yeah, I'll, I'll be honest about the this Bucks team. I don't know if it's because this year Giannis's efficiency has been falling off. Sure, he's having more points than ever, but at the same time, his his statistics are starting to fall off in terms of field goal percentage, three point percentage, and the types of shots he was taking. At least in this game, weren't really the best shots. Like he's like we know that if he runs into you, kind of barrels into you, and then goes for that easy layup. That's his shot. But in this game, he took a ton of mid-ranges. He took five three-pointers and only hit one, which is aligned with his percentage for this season. Like, he's shooting 25% from three. He should not be taking five three-pointers, right? So in that sense, I don't know if this is what this Milwaukee Bucks team is nowadays, but it just doesn't feel like this team is what it was when they won the championship, even though they still have the same core players.
1: It's It's also that, like, Like, you're saying Giannis, like, shooting five threes. Obviously, he's not a three-point shooter. I was reading in an article somewhere that even, like, his mid-range shot, like, he's shooting career – not career lows, but, you know, substantially compared to, like, previous years. He's shooting lower on even those shots. Um, But I think that's kind of the Celtics' defense. Like, the Celtics, they – like I said, I think they defend him as well as any team has since, like, the 2019 Toronto Raptors, where they just all – like, you have five guys – with their attention on him when he has the ball and like obviously Al Horford and Robert Williams are, are going to get like, you know, the main, I guess, attention for their defense, but like even Derek white, like these, like Derek white is not like a super physical imposing defender compared to Giannis obviously, but like, he, he's a very smart defender. There was, there was a couple plays. There was a play in, in particular where like Giannis drove and Derek white, he didn't necessarily force a jump ball because he didn't grab it, but like, he he put he altered Giannis's drive attempt by getting his hand on the ball enough where Giannis had to force like an awkward shot and he missed. Like these are just smart, capable defenders that just you know they they hold their own, which is one reason that I'm pretty high on the Celtics this year.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy because it's like one through five, and even when the bench comes out, their one through five can defend for the most part. I mean, you have all these different types of players that can defend pretty much any player it seems like you know like when you have to go from smart to white you know they're very capable guards for even defending bigger men you know like defensive player of the year and all but then they also got long wings in Tatum Brown and then you know you got the the big men you know Horford you got a rim protector in Rob Williams and then you got Grant Williams. It was like a big body. You can't push them off. And they even talked about it in the broadcast. You know, they were like, you know, the difference between like Grant Williams and Horford is, you know, Grant Williams has that body where he can stay with you, but he's not as long as at Horford. So the Celtics have that option ability where they can just kind of switch between these players to kind of figure out which which will bother any other superstar in the league. That's what makes the Celtics team unique. And that's what, you know, really gave them the run last year. But this year, you know, they've been making their money on offense. But yeah, that this matchup is just, you know, this game on Christmas Day, it had a lot to do with their offense more than their defense. But either way, like, you know, Giannis was getting hard shots. And I didn't see him go for too many layups this game. So it, it could have been attributed to, you know, the Celtics defense.
1: So it's also like you're mentioning the Celtics have really they've they've done the heavy lifting on the offensive end. Their defense will come. Um. Right now they are. Let me let me just double check this number real quick. They they're the seventh best defense in the NBA. So it's not like they're just slouching, and that defensive rating to me is only gonna rise because Robert Williams just got back, like uh, and you no know, he was a. I thought he was a little rough today. He didn't play a ton, but Milwaukee's just like a weird matchup for him in my opinion. Um. But but I wanna I wanted to ask you, how is like the reintegration of Robert Williams been for the Celtics so far this season in the games he's he's played.
0: It's weird because the Celtics prior to um him coming back, they were doing a lot of, you know, everyone can shoot a lot of five out offense. You know what I mean? But now, you know, like they can't necessarily go to that. They kind of have Rob Williams in the dunker spot. Sometimes they have him at the top of the key, just kind of waiting there. So it's it seems like it's a little bit awkward, but at the same time, it generates a lot more like offense in terms of like different looks so like we got rob williams setting screens but then you've got marcus smart throwing him lobs which they didn't really have present with al horford or Grant williams but now they have that with rob williams so and and on top of that he's getting a ton of offensive rebounds even if they're not like clean catch rebounds he's doing a lot of tipping out to open shooters and that type of stuff so it generates a lot of different looks on the offensive end and of course we know how he is on the defensive end so overall he might be a little bit jumpy and antsy to get back out there, but I still think that he's going to be valuable and, you know, he's going to be a plus positive for this team.
1: That was, that's like what you just said about the five out offense thing. That is exactly like what I, what I've thought about the Celtics and why, you know, there was a little bit of a rough stretch in there because you're right. Like without him on the court, like the Celtics just had an entire rotation of guys who can space the floor. Like, you know, Blake can't do it, but he's not really playing much. Um, but even like Luke Cornett, Robert Williams is obviously a lot better than Luke Cornett, but Luke Cornett can shoot. That's something that, you know, um, that Robert Williams just can't. And, you know, Horford, Horford can shoot. So now it's going to be, and but Rob Williams, like he provides a lob threat, you know, that really no other big man provides while also being, you know, a good defender, right? So uh, like Hor- Horford, Horford's a good defender, but he's like pretty old. He can't really do that as much. But Rob Williams does in a way that, like I don't know uh I don't know if like any other player brings that kind of dimension. So yeah, the offense might not be as devastating, but the defense is gonna get better. And you also add, you know, a, a dimension on your offense with like a lob threat, which I think will, will help the Celtics in the long run.
0: No, exactly, exactly. I mean like this is this is one scary team to face. You know, I watch the Celtics pretty much every single game, so maybe I don't realize it as much. But, you know, having Rob back is just, you know, it just unlocks so much more. Like I know, I know I keep reiterating it in it, but you know, like we, we, you know what you you showed me that one um graphic where it showed that Marcus Smart was number one in the league in terms of um pick and roll possessions, right?
1: He's been really good. Um like the thing with Marcus Smart has always been when he tries to do a little bit too much on offense, like in terms of shooting. Um like there, you you can I know you're a huge Mark Smart fan, but you can also admit sometimes he he takes away shots that he takes some dumb shots he just shouldn't. Um, but this year, like he's done a really good job in my opinion of playing within himself and being a facilitator first rather than a score first guy. Um, he had like this assist, I think it was to Jason Tatum in the fast break, um, which you know the Celtics dominated in my opinion all night. Like he had this assist to Tatum, like a bounce pass, like look ahead two Tatum that, that like just got him a layup and it was really impressive to see in this game you know eight assists only one turnover like these these are the kind of games you like to see from Marcus Smart
0: right that's exactly what I was going to say like in the you know last game that he played against the Timberwolves he had 10 assists with zero turnovers and it's like a lot of these like looks like the Celtics are like trying to go for are these weird kind of threes like i i i hate when you know a team will go specifically for threes when they can get like an easy layup or whatever and the Celtics have been shooting i think they're number one in shooting three points like attempting three pointers but what smart unlocks is like he gets a ton of easy looks like you talked about that bounce pass that they had um in transition to Tatum against the Timberwolves he had three insane assists back to back to back and they were all to either Tatum or Brown same exact thing assists on the um in transition so like I feel like that just unlocks something else like in this game he shot zero three-pointers and it's 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 crazy to say but you know Marcus Smart is kind of leading the offense in a different way you know what I mean like he's he's being efficient and I think that really does unlock this team like but anyways I, I don't want to rant too much on Marcus Smart because you know you, you know how I get with Marcus Smart
1: um, yeah, once you start you don't stop um so I guess exactly. I guess from there then we should probably move on to another game, um, I guess the next game I kind of wanted to talk about was the Warriors and Memphis game. This was um this was an interesting game, man. Like this was if there was any game tonight that I thought would have been a blowout, it was it was this game. Like going into it, the Warriors don't have Steph, they don't have Wiggins, and you know the Warriors have been kind of rough since they lost Steph. Uh, they got beat by forty by the the Nets. They got beat by like thirty by the, the Knicks. Like, they, they haven't been playing that well. Um, and then they came in, and they just – they punched the Grizzlies in the mouth. And the Grizzlies the, – the funniest thing to me about this game, like, watching – there like, was, like, seven minutes after the fourth. I was like, it's only a 15-point game. Like, 15 points is not, like, an insurmountable lead in the NBA, right? And the Grizzlies just never cut it below, like, 12 or 9. Every time they, you know, made a small run, the Warriors will respond. And the Grizzlies just – they just didn't have enough, in my opinion, whether it be just dumb turnovers, dumb decision making, uh, like on offense, taking stupid shots. They just weren't able to to find it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't have the chance to watch the full game. You know, I watched a little bit of the box score during the game. I, you know, it's Christmas, I had family over, whatever. But I did tune in a little bit towards the second quarter, third quarter, and the fourth quarter. And one thing that I noticed, is, you know, Desmond Bain, as great as he, as he is, he wasn't really at that level that you know we expected from Desmond Bain, which is fine because you know he just come back on injury. But I get why that they were down by uh, you know 14, 15, You know they weren't really hitting shots. You know Jaw went two for ten from three. Um, Brooks went one for six from three, and Bain went zero for seven from three. I think if these two teams played again, you know we'd get a completely different result. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, you know it was a good win by the Warriors, especially without you know Steph and Wiggins, but. You know, one thing I liked about this game was like the chippiness. Did you did you notice all those texts that were flying out there? And
1: yeah, know? I mean, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of the texts. Um, I thought I think Jordan Poole got tossed for like just, just stupid stupid technical fouls, um, and it continued. I think I think it continued even in the Suns game. I, I could be mistaken, but this game I think the refs were just doing a bit too much. Um, one thing one thing that stood out to me from Memphis's side is Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, he. He's been really, really good since he came back. Like on, on defense. He's been like a legitimate DPLY candidate. Um, but man, his the foul trouble is just is limiting him. It's like the one thing that like he struggles with now at this point. It's just he's he's not like if he can't stay out of foul trouble, like the Grizzlies are just a mediocre def- defense without him. Um there was a play today where like he he switched onto Jordan Poole. And he held his own to the point where pool passed to DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo hit the three, but it was really good defense by Jaron Jackson to stay in front of Pool. Uh, to, to force him to pass. Like and like he couldn't abuse the switch. But like for every one of those like brilliant defensive plays that he makes, or just moments where he's really good on moving on the perimeter, he has a bunch of just dumb fouls, like reaching in thirty feet from the basket, you know, getting really jumpy and committing stupid fouls. Um I, I, I really like the Grizzlies. I think he needs to, he needs to just, he curb some of this this foul trouble. He needs to find a way to play through it, uh, or or just not do it at all, because like, it's gonna hold him back if he continues like to foul this much.
0: Well, you know what the unfortunate part about the whole thing is? This is actually his best year in terms of getting personal fouls. You know, he averages three point seven personal fouls per game, like throughout his career. This, this season, he's only averaging three, and at his peak, it was actually four like 4.1 fouls per game, which is a shit ton. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's not good, especially when he, you have such an impactful player like Darren Jackson Jr. This is something that you don't want to see out of one of your younger guys. And you'd think by now, you know, he's – what, is he in his fifth season? You'd think by think, now – I though. think
1: this is year five.
0: Yeah. you think by year five, you'd be a little bit better in terms of, you know, staying away from these – tiki-taki fouls where you know like these in fouls these you know even goaltends like you know I, I seen him a lot do a ton of these goaltends where it's like it almost seems like he's chasing blocks at you know what I mean like we know that he has the ability to get these blocks but it feels like he's kind of chasing it but um yeah you'd think by now he'd be able to develop a little bit of um a resist, like you know what I mean like a resistance to kind of jumping off you know fouling, reaching, and all that, but you know, if he can ever figure that out, then I think that this that would definitely help out the Grizzlies team. But it might just be who he is as a player as of now.
1: No, nah, for sure, and you know, from the Warriors side, Draymond only scored three points, but we know he's not a scorer. Like he, that's probably the most impactful three points we'll ever see because he did everything else. He was great defensively. You know, he pushed the pace, got open shots, like with the normal Draymond stuff. Great passer. Great defender, um, you know Ty Jerome also played really well, and uh, I remember watching the Warriors like at the beginning of the season. Uh, I was like, "Who the hell is who's that guy?" And, and Ty Jerome he played really well today. Um, you know, obviously Pool was really good before he got ejected. Clay shot a lot, wasn't very efficient, but you know, like this is kind of what you're going to get with him. Like hey, can we talk about? Career. Can we
0: talk about Clay a little bit?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, what do you want to? What do you want to talk about?
0: All right. So if you guys haven't seen it by now on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you know, Clay had that one play where he hit that mid-range over Brooks, and then um, Brooks was on the ground, and he kind of was taunting over him. Man, what, what do you think about that as, like, an NBA fan? Like, do you like the chippiness? Do you like the, you know, um, back and I forth? Mean, or...
1: so, so, I think I think a lot of that came from, uh, like, came, for, came from, like, John Morant saying that, oh, I'm cool with the West. Like, I'm not really worried about any team in the Western Conference. And Dylan Brooks said, you know, Steph being out on Christmas is not is not ideal, but I like the, the clay Thompson matchup. You know, I prefer guys like speaking their mind. Cause you know, like, man, how many times have we seen like players get asked questions by reporters and it's the, uh, it's the same like recycled. Oh, we got to be better. We're going to continue to work together, be better as a team kind of answers. You know what I mean? Like I much prefer right. guys to speak their mind and because also like it brings rivalries, like there's not many like rivalries left at the NBA right like obviously there's lakers celtics which is like a historic rivalry but like they only play twice a year and these are big games they don't play much and you know they haven't played in the finals since like 2000, 2010 right yeah so like it's it's weird it's weird I, I i prefer it like not because of the drama i don't really care for that but like there's a high intensity basketball i i i really enjoy that which this game was for the most part is pretty
0: intense that's a fair point. You know, you know, I know exactly what you mean. Like, the last time I can think of, a, like, a rivalry between a couple of teams where, um, the Wizards and Celtics a couple of years ago, where you know the Celtics dressed up in all black, I thought that was pretty cool. But you know, it died down. Like, that's not there anymore. But now the Suns and Pelicans are starting to become a little bit of a rivalry. And then now we've got the the Warriors and the Grizzlies. And you know, this is what I want to see out of the NBA. It, it makes it so much more fun to watch. Like these matchups are so much more fun. So I don't know if this will carry forward, but you know it's, def- it's definitely fun. It's making the NBA a lot more fun to watch.
1: I think uh, last last point on the Grizzlies, I, I guess before we move on, is that I, uh, Ja is obviously very, very good. Like he, 10 threes is a ton of shots from from three for him. I, I don't know about that. Um, but Desmond Bain is a guy who I'm watching pretty closely. I think he's a really, really good player. Like He was pretty good in the playoffs last year. I still don't know if he's a second option, um, like a, a bona fide second option. To me, to me, he's like a elite third option. I don't know if he's that second guy yet, and that that remains to be seen. But he's somebody I'm watching very closely. I think he can be. I think he's a really really good player, but but we we have to see. It's still, the jury is still out on that.
0: Uh, that's a fair point. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's like he he started off super hot. But now that he's coming back for injury, he has not been super hot. So you know, we gotta we gotta see a little bit more as the season goes on, especially when they get to playoff time. We'll see how he is. So I guess we'll find out then. Anyways, um let, let's talk about the next matchup. Um I know you didn't really watch this game. Um I tuned in, in the second half and it was the Lakers and the Mavs. So uh just looking at the box score, did you see anything that stood out?
1: Um uh- I watched, I watched a bit of this game. One thing that stood out to me, man, is just the way that the Lakers were defending Luka at one point. I think they gave up like 51, 51 or 52 points in the third quarter. And this is just like a pet peeve I have in general about the way team, some teams defend these guys. Like the two guys to me that are like perfect examples are Luka and Jokic, who I don't understand why teams double and trap them. Because it's not like you're doubling and trapping Trey Young, who's like six feet tall. Luca's like a good 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, Jokic is a seven-footer. These guys can see over the doubles and the traps, so they can make these passes. So I've never understood why teams double and trap these guys when they're just going to pick them apart with the passing. And that's what that's what Luka did. Like, he got doubled, he got trapped. Oh, okay, let me just pass. Another pass? Three, three, three. It happened, like, the entire game. And it's just it's crazy to me. The Clippers do this, and it drives me fucking crazy that they do this and we just saw it again today, um, you know. The Lakers at one point were were like in charge of this game; they had the lead. But we we know they're not very good. Like we know that, like LeBron is obviously still LeBron. They don't have Anthony Davis. They don't really have any playable big, like like good NBA level playable big men who can defend. Thomas Bryant is a good offensive player. He's a terrible defender. Like like this is this is just this was honestly. Of all the games, I get LeBron and Luca. This was the game, like I was probably least looking forward to of all of all the games today, um, or, or I guess yesterday. Uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of all I had on that.
0: I mean, you you read my mind. This is that exactly I was going to talk about, like that third quarter with you know the mass scored fifty one points. It was basically generated off of trying to double Luca, and I know Luca had nine assists. And like watching that game, you know only nine assists would be a proper way to kind of break that down because if you would if this was hockey and you'd count those hockey assists where basically you pass to a player and then they pass to another player and then they get like you know make the shot that would count as a hockey assist Luca would probably have over 20 of those in total because a ton of his a ton of his points were getting doubled passing it to like Dinwiddie and then Dinwiddie kicking it out to like Tim Hardaway or Bertans or even like Christian Wood or you know Reggie Bullock like, and that's basically what this whole game was. It was just kick out, kick out three, you know, double team kick out, kick out three. And it was just a repeating thing. And you'd think that they'd try to switch it up and not try to double team. But I guess when you have a player like Luca, you kind of have to think of something if you can't guard him one-on-one. Like as much as I love Beverly, he was getting cooked by Luca, which you can't really say anything like detrimental to Beverly, but because Luca is just that great, but it just – you know, Luca was just unstoppable. Like, he, he, he's like that player that you have to figure out how to stop him because there's really no way to stop him because he can make those passes. So I guess you kind of read my mind. On the other side of things, the Lakers, you know, they just didn't have a great defense, you know. And on, and on the offensive end, they're going to kill LeBron, man. Like, he's just taking every single shot because he has to. You know, other than him, there's nobody else to score. Like, Austin Reeves was, I think, their second leading scorer. No, it was Westbrook. Then it was Austin Reeves. Other than that, none of the starters had more than 10 points. So when you get games like that, especially with eighties out, the Lakers are screwed, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you also have to add in that, like, there was a stretch there where, like, we know the Lakers don't have, like, a ton of forwards. Uh, Like, they obviously have LeBron. Anthony Davis is injured. He plays, he's been playing center this year. They've been playing a ton of like three guard lineups. Uh, the Beverly Dennis shooter lineups have been particularly bad. Like they just have not found a way because both of them are not great shooters. Uh, it's just, it's, it's weird. Uh, uh, so the, that it's, it's weird. There was a, there was a moment in this game. They played five guards on the floor. Um, uh, I don't remember who the five guards were but it was it went about as well as you think it would. And this is not like the Mavericks were playing small. The Mavericks had Christian Wood on the court and like they just that that stuff like that I don't get it. It just doesn't work. Um it's like not even something that you'd be like, "Oh, let me try this out, see if it works." Like you don't need to try that out to know whether or not it's going to work. You know, that's uh that, that's really all I had from this game. It's kind of kind of the uh the result I expected. I mean the the Mavericks aren't very good outside of Luca, mm-hmm. um, but the Lakers we all know the Lakers aren't good so yeah.
0: Yeah no that's a fair point. Before we move on to the next matchup, I was just looking at the box score, and I'm looking at the plus minuses, and I know that, that doesn't really indicate a whole lot, but the Westbrook minutes in particular, he was a minus 30, and the next lowest was a minus 15. So that's just one thing to point out, and you know that that's just insane. Anyways, let's uh let's talk about the last and final matchup. And we're we're gonna skip over the Sixers and Knicks just because I don't think either one of us would really watch that game. Um, so let's talk about the Suns and Nuggets, which was the last game of the day. Man, that game before, went into before, OT. Before yeah, before yeah. we
1: talk about it, I just want to have I just have like two things to say about the Sixers real quick. They've been playing sure. really well as of late. Um, I'm a big D'Anthony Melton fan. He might be the best signing of the offseason or or trade acquisition, whatnot. Like he has been crazy good for them this year. Uh, like with with Maxi out, like he's he can shoot. He's a great defender. He's a like he's very good at getting steals. He's a good rebound, great rebounder for a guard. Like he's the kind of guard that really every team should have, like if they're trying to compete for a championship. Maybe not play like thirty five minutes a game, but he's is a very helpful player. And something else that stood out to me, like even watching you know Sixers Clippers, is George Niang has been playing pretty solid as of late. For the Sixers, and he's actually been playing better than PJ Tucker because you know, PJ's like what 37, 38. He's a little, a little over the hill, in my opinion, at this moment. And like, he's still a whatever defender, but he's kind of old like, not 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 old. He's a zero on offense now. Like, the, the corner three is not what it used to be. Like, in Miami, they were using him a bit as like a guy who could attack a closeout and like have like a little float or whatnot. Like, that's gone. So I I don't know how like how good like a PJ Tucker. I don't know about this experiment. I think their best lineup might be like three guards, Harden, Maxi, Melton, and like Tobias Harris and Embiid when it matters. Because I don't know with Embiid like being a post-centric player and doing a lot of his damage in the paint. I don't know if you could survive having PJ on the floor for like extended minutes when it matters. That's really all I had.
0: No, that's definitely a fair point. I mean – when when they made that trade, I was like, "Damn, the Grizzlies just got ripped off." I mean, dude, Melton was a great player. He's like, like they lost the Sixers lost Danny Green, but Melton is a far better version of Danny Green. He's younger. It's also Danny, better... Green's,
1: Danny Green's likely not going to play this year. He's old. Exactly. He just tore his ACL. Like,
0: right? He's... right, right. exactly and, and
1: like they gave up the twenty third pick, which Anthony Melton is better than the twenty third pick right now,
0: right? Exactly. Uh,
1: yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry for that kind of team. you. good
0: you good, you're good. All right. Let's uh let's hop into the final last game, which is the Suns and the Nuggets, where the Nuggets won an OT by three points. And you know, to summarize this game, Booker went out in the first four minutes, you know, with a – was it a hamstring injury?
1: I think it was a, a groin injury. Groin
0: injury, yep, that's right. And then, you know, Jokic was doing Jokic stuff, you know, MVP crazy numbers, which nowadays we're kind of used to that. And then that Aaron Gordon, number, which is just a sick dunk. So, I'll I'll let you take over cuz you watched this game more than I did. So, uh go ahead.
1: You know what? You know what that Aaron Gordon dunk reminded me of before I like start talking about the game. You yeah. know that Kobe dunk over Steve Nash? You, mm. you know you know the one, right? It it, mm-hmm. it looks it looks pretty similar to that. Um Yeah, but you know, this wasn't a must-win game for Denver by any means because it's a regular season game in December. Like doesn't really matter that much, but it would have been a bit disappointing if they didn't win given you know, Booker only played four minutes before having to exit the game. And, you know, groin, hamstring, like these things can be tricky. Like these things, like you don't want to push through those kind of injuries because you can make it worse. So I understand them holding Booker out or take like having him not return to the game. Um, I I think uh, like for the Suns, man, one thing that stood out to me is the play of Landry Shaman. It's, it's not just that he scored 30 points or something. I think he had 30, 31 points. But it's, like, how much dribble penetration he gets. Like, it's kind of a sneaky thing that people don't talk about with him. Like, he's a sneaky good, like, rim pressure guy. And, like, he – and I think it was even, like, uh, what's his name? Josh Okogie a little bit were getting, rim pr- like, rim pressure against the Denver Nuggets and, like, putting him in rotation. It was, like, really interesting to see. And, you know, Shamit putting up 17 threes, like, having the most shots in the team. I get you you have to have your offense come from somewhere, but, like, that was was surprising. If Booker went out, um, like, if we had known Booker wouldn't have played, like, you would not expect Landry Shamit to be the guy to lead the team in shot attempts, right?
0: No, no. I mean, I looked at – I woke up, I looked at the game, the score, and I was like, what the freak? Shamit with 31, what the hell happened? Like, I know Booker went out, but, like, dude, what? what? That's just insane.
1: And like also like for this for the um the nuggets, like this is man, this is one reason. Like I and I'm not trying to base it off just this game, right? But it's just like I don't know how good they are defensively. Like Jokic is a smart positional defender, but like he's really bad in space. Like he can't move. Aaron Gordon is having a really, really good year. And like like, Aaron Gordon has been been very good this year. He's been, like, a sub-all-star level player. But there's only so much he can do defensively. There's only so much ground he can cover. Cantavius Caldwell-Pope is a good defender. Bruce Brown is a good defender. Those are, like, the only good defenders on their team. who Like, you know, who can't be attacked one way or another. Jamal Murray is still an undersized guard. He was good defensively, defensively before the injury, but, like, he has been very up and down since the injury. Like, Michael Porter Jr. is a cone uh bones, so Highland, bones, bones <laughs> Highland is so bad defensively man like he's terrible Christian Christian Brown like like are you are you trusting a rookie and like the rest of their guys on their team like do you trust Zeke Taji? do you trust Vladko kanchar like there, there's multiple guys who just didn't play right like I don't know I, I still have my my concerns about the nuggets defense uh but that's, that's just me
0: so, you know, you know what the crazy part is? So, even though, like, the Nuggets defense isn't as great as we'd like it to be, I still kind of am in the same kind of boat as John Morant, where I, I'm not too worried about the West. Like, I don't think the West is that good this year. Like, if you had to say, do you think that the Nuggets can actually make it to the, you know, the West uh, West Conference Finals or even the Finals, per se, I think they could.
1: Yeah, Um. I mean, I definitely think they could make the Western Conference Finals, like, Like I could see them beating any team, and I wouldn't be surprised. I could see them losing to to most teams, and not be surprised. Right. Me too. Right. Um, And their defense is twenty fourth. I think I just looked it up. Like they have the twenty fourth ranked defense. They have first, the second ranked offense. So like, it's not like like they're they're a bad defense, but they're also like great offense. So I think their their uh, pathway strategy would be we're just gonna outscore you. Um, and at some point, at some point, like. The Lakers, not not the Lakers. I'm sorry. The role players. I don't know. I saw. I was reading something. The role players will stop hitting shots. Like like this happens, and you have to brace yourself for it. Like guys go cold in the playoffs when it matters. Like you can only really rely and expect your star players to always be great in the playoffs, right? I don't know if you can rely on your role players at all times, and that's that would be my concern for the Nuggets. If is is can their defense hold up? When they stop hitting
0: shots. You know, you know what's crazy about that? Um, So I was actually just, you know, just going through the box score the other night because, uh, you know, I saw the Aaron Gordon dunk. I was like, damn. So I kind of went to look at um how Aaron Gordon was doing this year. I kind of forgot about him, to be completely honest. And I just realized, like, he's been, he's, shooting... he's been great. Dude, he's been shooting 61% from the floor. That's that's insane. Like, and he like, does. That's take...
1: like a center. That's like center level efficiency.
0: Right. I don't know if this is because of the way Jokic is kind of constructing the offense and, you know, he's just he's just been that good for his, you know, for, you know, his teammates or if it just speaks to volumes of how good Aaron Gordon is. I I don't know. Like, like, dude, 61 percent. That's actually insane. You know what I mean? For a forward. I think that I mean, if what you're saying is right about, you know, role players kind of starting to fall off in playoffs. Then I think that the Nuggets will be in somewhat of a little bit of trouble because that that number itself seems unsustainable, especially because he it's not only taking layups and you know doing center type of offense. He's actually taking threes as well, like thirty nine percent from three. So, and
1: another uh, sorry sorry to cut you off. Another thing like just concern I have with the Nuggets, um, like I think Jokic is an elite level player, one of the best players in the NBA, is do they have a reliable second option? Like I know, I know people love Jamal Murray. I'm not sold him as him as a second option. Like he was, he was, he had some really, really great moments in the bubble, but like he kind of struggled for the most part in the Clippers series. He had a really good game seven, obviously. They won that series. We're not going to relitigate that. Um, but he kind of struggled a lot too. Paul George defended him really well until game seven of that series. Um, he really cooked Gobert in drop coverage in the, the Jazz series. um, And he's lost these last two years in the playoffs due to injury to show us if he's that guy. You know what I mean? Like, and we haven't seen it. So I don't, like, consistently, a consistent second option. I don't know if we've seen that. And when I say second option, I don't just mean a guy who can hit shots. I mean, like, a secondary creator like a guy who can create shots off the dribble consistently against a great defense in the playoffs. Cause Porter jr. Is not a shot creator. He's a stiff. He really can't move much anymore. He's an elite catch and shoot three point shooter. And you know, opportunistic cutter attacks the glass, but he's not really a shot creator in my opinion is Jamal Murray, that guy. That's another question I have is, can he be that guy at the highest level?
0: Uh, You know what? I can actually kind of agree with you on that. Um, I don't think that Jamal Murray is the best player to play as, alongside um, Jokic. Like, I don't think – like, maybe Jamal Murray can be a second option and maybe even a first option if, you know, he were to ever reach his peak and be fully healthy. But with Jokic, I don't think he can be that. And that's just me personally speaking because just watching the way that he plays, like, it seems like he'll go off on a per matchup basis. You know what I mean? Like, it depends on his matchup. And I don't really think that that will be sustainable unless – unless like the Nuggets just end up in a favorable matchup for him every single time. Like we know that Jokic is going to perform every single time for the most part, but with Murray, he's just inconsistent. And I don't know, man, you don't want to have an inconsistent player be your second option. I've seen a lot and it just never ends up. And,
1: And also, and also, like I just mentioned, he lost the last two years due to injury, like the last two playoffs to show us he's that guy. And that's unfortunate. If that, that happened, but that's just kind of the situation we're in right like that that's kind of where we're at with that so that, that's that's really all i add on that
0: yeah no he's definitely a question mark um a, a lot of these things we'll find out during the playoffs this year um or at least later in the regular season but you know it remains to be seen what's going to happen to him the nuggets and you know a lot of these other teams but anyways uh i think that's going to be it for this pod um, thank you guys for listening. I uh, just want to quickly shout out our sponsor, Ghost Trigger. If you guys suck ass at gaming, make sure you guys check out ghosttrigger.com. They'll help you out with FPS shooter games and some other games as well, like Fortnite. Um, it helps you kind of build faster or shoot faster. There's a whole demo. You guys can check them out on TikTok or whatever they sponsor us. So because of our relationship, they gave us a 15% discount code. So use code ECB15 for 15% off. Um, once again, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Ghost Trigger, for sponsoring this episode of Push the Temple podcast. And that's going to be it for this pod. Catch you guys in another episode. Peace.